The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome to the Chiefs 2024 offseason. Yes, we are here. It is the AP Draft Room Podcast on the Airhead Pride Podcast Network. Two-time defending champs. We are here to break down the path to a three-peat. I am Ron Cobb Jr., the lead analyst at the site. With me to do that on a weekly basis. We're going to come to you every Friday morning. Caleb James at CJ Scoops on Twitter. Caleb, me and you've been breaking down Chiefs film all year. We've been uh, we've been writing about the team all year. Pays off with a Super Bowl dub, and uh, I don't know. There's something about the offseason that's just a little more fun, like or not more fun, but maybe just that that level of fun of just like it's kind of Madden, right? You know, your 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 free agency, your draft, you're kind of you know moving chess pieces around. We're here, baby. How you feeling? I'm I'm feeling good. Like you said, you're always gonna be feeling good coming off of a back-to-back Super Bowl championship. You know, had they lost one of those games, the world would be falling, the sky would be on fire, but uh, fear not, they did get that ring. So no matter what problems they do have, no matter what obstacles they do have to face in the offseason, we're still going to feel more upbeat about it than we would had they lost in that big game. Well, and, and that that is really the key thing, right, is that like we all kind of thought there was going to be big changes happening this offseason, no matter or, you know, because, you know, the team was underperforming and, you know, we all thought there, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say we all, I thought the team was going to crash, you know, down because of those things at some point in the postseason, and we were going to have an overhaul kind of off season. We still may kind of have that, even though they're two time defending champions. And we're going to get into that because, you know, there is something, there is something, you know, special about, you know, the three Pete and how it could maybe change the mindset of the chiefs, but do want to set the table for this podcast here before we get into that, Caleb, because it is going to be you and I kind of emceeing this stuff, but it's not just going to be us, guys. You'll you'll get tired of us uh, talking draft and free agency eventually. We'll have voices from around the AP staff here, uh, as well as outside perspectives. I had a few guests on last year. We'll try to get uh, you know some some good draft analysts, maybe from non-Chiefs perspectives, uh, to give you guys some takes as we get on here. But this is isn't just a draft podcast, right? I mean, this is a podcast about the Chiefs offseason, about you know what it takes to get to that point. And, and we're here to talk ball, Caleb, right? Like we, we really are hard to talk about the on-field analysis, how the team should shape the roster and how it looks and, and, and just 
analyze the players coming in and out. I mean, that's that's what I want to do. That's what we like to do on the AP Film Room. Make sure you check us out on YouTube. We'll be doing that plenty this offseason as well, right? Breaking down draft pro, uh, prospects. But but yeah, just just make sure you rate and review the podcast channels. Hit us up on Twitter. I mean, we're going to be here all offseason, folks. We're going to be here talking, you know, ex- anything you guys want to talk about the draft. You know, I know you guys. That's the thing about, about Chiefs Kingdom, Caleb. Like they are hungry for draft. Like they are way ahead of the game. Like they all they already know all these guys. Like I feel like I'm behind. I don't know. What do you feel like? You feel the same way? I feel the same way because like we've been talking about, I think a lot of people did kind of give up on the team earlier in the season. And that kind of led to them starting their offseason process earlier. For me, I like enjoyed just going through the season and seeing the struggles because when you go back through for the playoffs and you see how they improved everything, it makes you wonder, you go, how did this roster go from Christmas Day to like doing what they were doing on the last drive of the Super Bowl? It's crazy. But man, you I mean, that all that stuff though, it starts in the offseason. Like that last possession of the game, man. I mean, Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith were big. Rasheed Rice had big, you know, big pickups. That was all moves they made last year's offseason. So you know, it's beach season, man. This is when he gets the work done. This is when, like, the Chiefs front office has shined the last couple of years. And, you know, there really is no offseason, man. There's still moves being made all over the place. And this is where they're going to construct their rosters. This is where you start to build your nucleus of the next championship team. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing. I mean, it is one of the more exciting offseason. I said in our group chat, like, it's the most exciting offseason I think we've had uh, as, as uh, that I've been since I've been here as a writer just because – you know, the, the run it back year after the 2019 Super Bowl, it's like, OK, you know, it's, it, they kept the same team. Right. You know, and, and, and rightfully so. And, and they got all the way back, but didn't finish it off. And then, you know, you, last offseason, you know, there was exciting moves and everything. But there's just something about being able to go for the three peat, also knowing they have to make these big moves. And it was appropriate, I should say, that you you mentioned beach season because that is the other podcast uh, draft podcast here, offseason podcast. On the network, shout out Rocky, shout out Kramer Sansone, doing great things over uh, on the Monday show. So there'll be the early week stuff. You know, I think I, you know, he he said we're the he said we're the fun podcast, Caleb, and 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 that they're they're more the or no, excuse me, that they're the fun podcast, and we're more the smart podcast. I, I think we got to give them a little run for their money there. Um, but uh, you know, because I don't know how smart we are. I mean, I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt right now. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, the, Hawaiian. Not yeah. that the listeners can see the thing, but it's on. I mean. I, I guess you're not really making a great argument because Andy Reid is, you know, is a Hawaiian shirt connoisseur as well. So, I mean, I guess we are looking pretty smart here. Um, so shout out, shout out the the AP staff. We're going to be having a good time seeing what this team's going to do to get to that three Pete uh, and, and set the team up because the team is not going to um, do it conservatively. I don't think, and that's where we're going to start tonight, Caleb, um, because, you know, this team has been so good at, at, at being steady at long-term outlook, right? Like we're going to, you know, whether it was trading Tyree Kill, you know, whether it was staying steady on Orlando Brown Jr., not giving him a long-term deal, whether it was building through the dr- draft just overall and, and, and trusting young players to step up and play. At some point, though, in this offseason, do you change that your tone a little bit? Because there is the chance for history. You know, no team has ever done it. And what I'm saying by that is, do you kind of get a little over aggressive and, and, and maybe sacrifice long term uh, for short term benefit? You know, obviously, we know there's a Mahomes uh, big restructure coming and, and there's and there's guys. But like, 
there's so many defensive guys on the table, right, Caleb? I don't know. So uh, do, do you want to see all these defensive guys back? How do you feel about how they should attack this offseason? They've already started attacking it. They re-signed Spags, Colin, I forget who else, but Andy yeah. Reid also. They just gave their entire coaching staff basically extensions. Merritt's not going anywhere. Merritt's not going anywhere. To me, that is the first sign they're going to want to try to keep doing what they're doing for a while now. And when you just think about the history of the game and the fact that there's never been a team to three-peat, if they could get to that elusive third straight championship, that puts you in air that's never been touched before. I mean, that puts you on a summit that no team has ever reached. You know, they may never get to the seven Super Bowls of Tom Brady did. They may never reach heights that the Patriots did. But what they have a chance to do is prove over the course of time since 2019, they're the most dominant team that there's ever been, you know, because that would be a fourth possible ring. That would be a fifth trip to the Super Bowl. You're talking about stuff that this team is accomplishing in less than a 10 year period. So what they're doing right now is a chance to prove they are the best franchise in the history of the NFL. I think that, you know, with Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey, both, you know, being up there, I really think that they would want to try to get this for both of them because there'd be no more debates if Kelsey got another ring. There's certainly no more debates. He'd be the best ever. If Andy Reid got another ring out of this thing, man, with what they've done this last five to 10 years, you know, you're really looking at a conversation where you could possibly put put him over the top as the best coach ever. So this is like a legacy year coming up. And I do trust that Veach is going to be smart about this, man. They have cap space. They can spend it. They got big decisions to make with Jones and Snead, though. But bringing Colin yeah, so, back. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, so let's start, let's start there, though, because, like, do you, is that what it looks like? Is that what uh, what we're talking about looks like? Is it getting Jones, Snead, even Drew Tranquil back here? What Like, how, is that what you kind of feel like they need to do in order to kind of build up to that legacy year? I do think they need to try to retain some of the defense, and – I think it's just important because Chris Jones has proven he is like a difference-making player. I don't know what the contract stuff's going to look like. I think that's the only thing, you know, the Cats brothers and all that mess. I think that's the only thing that could possibly derail him from being back. I think there's going to be some legit interest in them bringing back Snead because you combine Snead and McDuffie, that is the most lockdown cornerback tandem in the league. I mean, we know what McDuffie's getting ready to do coming up. But you're also kind of locking him in. You're locking these guys down to where you don't have to find these other superstar guys. And why I think that's important is the offense still has its flaws, right? Like for most of the Super Bowl until the second half, they were they were stopped. You know, they got beat. Same in the AFC title game and really the entire season and in the playoffs, even though they won, they still had those offensive deficiencies. That could take a little more time than people think. I know we've seen Rasheed Rice take off but they still have the possible gamble of having to draft some receivers. I think just for short-term security and long-term security, it's the best idea to try to find a way to retain Snead, Jones, and Tranquil. Yeah, and, and, and right, like that's to get the 3 P. It's just going to be tough that way, right? You know, obviously it's probably a little unrealistic maybe to expect them to do that, but that's the thing is they have a lot of projected 2025 cap. I, I mean, they, they, they do have – this opportunity where, you know, if they make a cer- certain moves, you know, certain cuts, which we'll get into a little later, you know, and just free up enough space. And, and, and that's the thing, man, Chris Jones at this point, you know, and, 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 and even like a, a guy like Snead, like they want to make history. I mean, a guy like Chris Jones, why would he want to pass up trying to make history? Imagine being him 
and the Chiefs go win a, a three-peat, and he's, he's somewhere else. He's, he's going to feel ridiculously stupid. And so that's where I know his representation has been bothersome, but at some point the player overrules. And so there is something there um, where I, I just feel like there might be a way where everything gets done. But at the same time, if, if, if not, like, you know, does that mean overpaying for the, the right big-time free agent? You know, I mean, at the same time, I want to see them trade up aggressively in the first round. We'll get into that, too. So, like, all this said, Caleb, like, I don't know. I would be pretty and, – and Nate talked about this, too. Nate Christians wrote about it, actually, for the site. But, like, I would be pretty free, freaking frustrated if we if we get to a certain point this offseason. It feels like they're playing this conservatively. You know, maybe they did let Jones walk and, and, and didn't attack it. You know, maybe even, you know, they just tagged Snead but didn't re-sign Tranquil or Willie Gay. Um, you know, uh, something, you know, something to that extent, it's, it's, it's pretty unacceptable if, if they don't really attack this off season, because what else is all this for? If we're not, you know, going for the three P I mean, and, and, and that means, you know, getting your best players, the players, you know, that fit in, the, in this defense, even if it means again, yeah, like, you know, down the road, having to, to, to trust young defenders again, what do you know? We did that last year. So yeah, I don't know. That's, that's my last thing here. Caleb is just, there's no way they can, we can end up in a conservative offseason, right? Like they have to attack it. You you can't lose both Jones and Sneed, number one, because those right. are two yeah, of the yeah, most yeah. critical players in the defense. For what that would be unacceptable. That me. is unacceptable by any stretch of the imagination to let them go. And if you let Chris Jones walk, then you darn well better bring back Tranquil. You better not put Sneed on the tag. You better sign him, and you probably should extend Creed Humphrey while you're at it if you're going to let Chris Jones walk. Those would be the three acceptable outcomes I could see from if they did do that. I just, I don't know, man. It's just, there's so much up in the air. You know, the franchise tag day, it's already started up. It feels like, you know, it's just like it comes quick. You know, the offseason does come quicker than people think. You know, combine, everything's coming up. It's all going to happen right. pretty fast here. So, Veach and his guys, they got big decisions to make. All right. Well, we've prolonged, you know, this, this, enough because yeah no we, we we all know they need to attack this off season and yeah you're right i'm glad you mentioned the combine next week we'll be breaking down pr- probably more prospects right uh, we're gonna be prospect heavy as this gets into it uh because we we do love breaking down the film breaking down draft stuff um but you know uh there's so much more to this off season than just the draft stuff but watch out for next week prospect heavy but here's the thing caleb we got to set the table in terms of what the Chiefs actually need to look for in terms of positional needs. And that's what I did for the site this week. I did write the top five, what I believe are the Chiefs position needs going into this offseason in order uh, one to five. And I think I, I, people were surprised with my number one. I, I want to see if you were too, but my number one was defensive tackle. Number two, wide receiver. Number three, left tackle. Number four, defensive end. And number five, running back. Were you surprised with who I what position I had top top of the order? I'm not. I can see where a lot of people would be on the defensive tackle. You know, I mean, everyone's like, get the receivers, get the receivers. They like do not have any depth currently on the defensive line. They don't even have nothing. like nothing. They literally have nothing. Like they have Neil Farrell, Neil Farrell <laughs> and like uh, Isaiah Bugs, and that's yeah. It right he now. he is on a reserve future, which that's that's a nice little stash. I will and say. If, I, I you will think say. about the guys that made plays in the Super Bowl, Chris Jones, Mike Pinnell, Tershawn Wharton, Mike Dana. Those are guys that are all getting ready to be free agents. So I thought defensive tackle has been a need for the Chiefs for a while now. I think we all thought that last offseason. I think 
this year's the year to attack it regardless. And it, yeah, if you re-sign Chris Jones, still go draft a defensive lineman. I don't care if you take a defensive lineman in the first round either. You can never have enough of those guys, at least in my opinion. But they got to do something to just kind of replenish that position unit. Yeah, definitely. Is there any other position you think uh, you would have put in the top five? Because, you know, I think defensive end was higher than I thought it would be. But that Charles Amenehu injury is huge, man. And we'll get into it. But, you know, it's a higher need than, than you think. Um, you know, I know, are there any other positions you think you would have put in above, you know, I had running back at five, you know, that's, that's my, you know, might be controversial. Uh, I, I think linebacker, I mean, there's a chance where they could lose yeah. uh, tranquil and Willie Gay probably is getting ready to walk in free agency. So you're losing two guys that play critical snaps. Tranquil stepping in for Bolton with some massive snaps at one point in the season. I mean, that leaves you with Bolton, Chanel, and like some like Jack Conkerin. I mean, though you're losing two guys who were a staple of the defense this year. Willie's been the staple for the last couple of years. But I mean, I, I know everyone's saying, you know, oh, it's for sure they're gonna get Drew Tranquil, man. Nothing's for sure in the NFL. I mean, I know he obviously sounds like he wants to stay here, he says, but man, we've played this game the last year with Juju also. We played this exact same game with Juju Smith Schuster last year. You know, everyone's, you know, he wanted to be back, everyone said, but at the end of the day, he took the best deal he got. I wouldn't be so shocked if that didn't happen again with Tranquil. So I could definitely see linebacker turning into a need for this team. Yeah, and I, I I figured you were going to go there. Um, and I thought about linebacker hard because, uh, you know, I, I do think it's an important position to have depth at and to have guys at. Um, and and because they do have Nick Bolton, Lee Chanel next year, to have guys behind them is important. Um, and we'll see that we'll talk about that a little more because, yeah, let's get in a little deeper into each position because um, we already kind of talked about the defensive tackle group. But you're right. Under contract next year, we only have Neil Farrell on reserve futures. You do have Isaiah Bugs and Matt Dickerson. But, you know, that's not something that sh you should hang your hat on. This team does really need to attack defensive tackle, both, I think, in free agency and the draft. And I'm not saying like big money in free agency, but. Let's see a nose tackle, like a legit nose tackle. There are some dudes out there, some veteran guys out there um, that they could bring in um, that'll eat gaps up. Uh, you know, maybe maybe be a, an upgrade to Derek Naughty the last few years as that starting nose tackle. But they need to attack it in both free agency and the draft. The problem, though, Caleb, and and I don't, and and I don't know what you feel about this, but it just feels like if they're going to attack defensive tackle in the draft, you know, should they do it with their first pick? You know, or, or or should they do it, you know, later in the draft? Um, I guess it depends on the Chris Jones situation, right? But I don't know. Either way, don't you think that they just got to replenish it both avenues? I would tell you this. From what I've seen the last week from evaluating the defensive tackles, this class is ridiculously loaded. Like, Ooh. I know we say okay, this a lot, but, I mean, there are so many talented dudes that do so many different things well. I mean, Johnny Newton from Illinois, he's probably got to be the consensus best defensive tackle in the draft. He's unbelievable. I mean, I, you, I mean, I could go down the list. We'll save all that for later. I just – if you get a chance to draft a guy in the first round that you think is a difference-making defensive lineman, take him. Because if you put him inside next to Chris Jones and then Charles Omenihue does come back, you're putting offenses in such a bind across the board for what they have to do to be able to protect the quarterback and you're setting up so many one-on-ones across the board. Like I, I would not see it as a bad thing if they found another impact making defensive lineman in the first round. Even if they got Chris Jones, 
even if they if that's just a plus because i mean chris jones is getting up there you need someone to help with the snap right. down eventually like if you want chris jones to be chris jones like he was like because he was tired at the end of the super bowl man i mean he is going to start getting up there <laughs> in age like you need someone to be able to go out there on some third you need someone else to be able to go in there on some third downs in the regular season and get after the quarterback a little bit no dude i i it's a good point about I mean, if the class is loaded, like you're saying, like I, I, and obviously I, I believe you, I love to hear that because I've not been able to dive into it uh, too much because that's the thing is it's not a value high position, right? Where it's going to go super high. If it is a loaded class, the chiefs are sitting in that, in that, in, in the money spot to get whoever they really want in that kind of top of the class, just because I'm sure Johnny Newton might go high. It sounds like Byron Murphy, the Texas defensive tackle might be, um, starting to climb up boards and, and I'm sure he's, he's looking good, but that's the thing. It, it's, it's, you know, usually in some classes, it's, it's defensive tackle is kind of a bad position to draft in the first round just because, you know, are you going to really find an impact guy if he's not one of the top guys in the first round? But if it's such a loaded class, it's going to push that talent down. Might have a chance that some guys in that first round and that might make your, you know, might change their decision kind of in free agency too, in terms of maybe uh, going after a receiver in free agency, maybe because uh, that's the next position we'll get into. But yeah, I don't know, Caleb. I mean, that's, that's, that's interesting. I'm, I'm excited to get into the defensive line uh, class. That's a whole generation of kids at defensive linemen. They've grown up watching like Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox and some of these like, and Chris Jones and Chris Jones, man, these guys have grown up watching these guys play. So it's not like, we're talking about defensive linemen from the 1990s where we're talking, we want a bunch of 370 pound space eaters. Like these guys we're talking about right now, they're like some, you know, there's some rocked up dudes in this class. They are like legit elite athletes across the board. And I mean, I've just been extremely impressed with what I've seen so far. Yeah. I, I honestly kind of hope they double up in the class in the draft. Um, even if it is early, both, both picks, I think, I think they need to, they haven't drafted defensive tackle early in a long time. Keandre Coburn was a six round pick last year. I didn't even give him to the first uh, week. So, yeah. And, 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 and so, yeah, our last thing here maybe is, you know, I don't think Tershawn Wharton should be back or Derek Naughty. Um, I do want to see Chris Jones back. I know it's almost, if we're, if we're being realistic, it's hard to say that Chris Jones and Snead are, are, are both back. Um, but, you know, I just want to see them, them keep the team together to get that three Pete. So, I'll say Chris Jones is back, but what do you say on Naughty and Wharton? I think Naughty's probably, I think his probably, I think in general his playing days are probably numbered. He's just suffered so many yeah, injuries. Injury, the course. Yeah. It's the injuries, man. It's the beating it takes playing as many reps as he did early on in his career as that one tech. I wouldn't mind like Tershawn Wharton or Malik Herring back, to be honest with you. Um, I'd take either one of those guys back. They know the system. They're going to be guys that you can put in, and they both – you know, they did perform pretty well down the stretch of things. I understand why there's reasons you might not want them back. You know, Morton struggles in the run game at times. You know, he's really like does his best work when it's like a passing down. He can get a one-on-one. But I wouldn't be mad if he's back because it's probably not going to be like a big deal or anything. Yeah, well, yeah, and but I just think they need they need to replace those snaps with other just guys that can give them, you know, maybe a higher ceiling or just, you know, development. Um, you know, and they just haven't done that at all the last few years. They've just recycled the same players at defensive tackle around Chris Jones. Uh, you know, they tried with Jaron Reed that one year, but, uh, but yeah, so 
No, defensive tackle. That's why it's my number one need. I mean, look, I think we just talked about a lot of different stuff because, and, and that's the other thing is there's just different positions, right? Like you need guys that can stuff, but you also need guys that can penetrate behind Chris Jones. Even if you sign him, if you don't get Chris Jones, man, you need, you might need to find a couple of guys that can really get after it from the interior. Um, just because that's like you named earlier, it's the name of the game. So I think defensive tackle really does deserve number one priority. But we can go through the other ones uh, a little quicker because wide receiver um, is number two for a reason, right? Even though there are like almost every receiver from the Super Bowl team is under contract. Like this team, how funny would it be, Caleb, if this team just said, you know what, guys, we want a Super Bowl with this re receiving core minus McCole Hartman and Richie James in, in 2024. They just they just roll into the season with Rasheed Rice, MVS, Justin Watson, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Justin Ross. It's just like, hey, you know. What do you, who's, why are you guys mad? You know, we, we just want a Super Bowl with this team. Um, there's just no way they can do that. They have to shake up the receiving position, right? Like you, there's just like, I'm, I'm, there's no way they can do that. Right, Caleb? Yeah. I mean, they put the whole, you, we can give Mahomes any receivers we want and he'll figure it out. They put that to the test this year and they barely passed it. But I mean, they have to improve on something, man. You can't. And because my other thing is, like, if you can't retain all of the defensive pieces, the offense is going to have to return back to top five form, which I think they can do very easily, especially since Rasheed Rice has kind of hit his stride a little bit here. But you don't want Mahomes to have to just labor like he did this year. It felt like there was, like, he was laboring. The offense had to labor. You know, you see a lot of these lesser quarterbacks. They have a much easier time to throw into some, you know, just other better receivers. So, would definitely like to see that. I'm still skeptical they'll actually let MVS walk or not, but I still think there's more than enough room on the roster to uh, to add one to two to three guys if they want to. Yeah, because that is the foregone conclusion from everybody now, right? That MVS, you know, you save 12 million in cap space. It's kind of the obvious way to get a little more room to do other stuff this offseason. Plus, and, and it's true, man. I mean, just think about just you just – grab MVS, you take him out of the offense and then you put a, a, a really good receiver in the snaps he was playing, the the position he was running in terms of being on the outside, you know, running deep routes and, and, and trying to, you know, uh, uh, make big plays. There are so many better players uh, than, than, than him uh, than that they could put in that position if they really want to invest in that, in that receiver spot. And I'd love to see it. And, and honestly, that's the thing. It, it could only, it may only take that. It may only take, you know, really, taking a, a, a big swing at a player to, to take over that MBS role, but you're skeptical. He's, he, he, he's going to, uh, obviously he's not going to return on the cap number he's at, but yeah, obviously they could work out something where he's back on a lower number. I hope they just part ways, man. I think he's had, you know, I'm not a, you know, I, you know, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of MBS. I'm I, just to be honest with you. He's, he's had a bad attitude at times. I don't know. So shout out his charity event though, his charity softball game. Um, but let's just, I think you got to just pull the plug and let him go get overpaid somewhere else because he's a Super Bowl, two-time Super Bowl champ. If um, he doesn't catch the ball in the AFC title game, and if he doesn't catch that touchdown, we're probably not even considering this. So, yeah, he, yeah. he probably is going to be somewhere else, but he'll find somewhere to play in the NFL because he's still got the rings on his fingers. Right. You don't just go scoring touchdowns and making plays like he, does, he has in the playoffs the last two years and find nowhere to go. So he'll find yeah. somewhere. Yeah, no, I I know, right? I, I don't think it's going to be Anthony Hitchens where he just disappears. I thought it was going to be like at some points this season where he just wouldn't find another team again, but he'll he'll find another squad to to run, you know, point 
four yards per route or whatever he was doing this year. But okay, so uh, I think though the receiving the the number one thing about the receiving position attacking at this offseason really does need to be whether it is free agency or the draft, get somebody that makes Rice the number two receiver. I don't want them to enter 2024 where it feels like Rice is like the has to be like this number one receiver um, facing the top coverage. Like I know if you draft someone day one, you can't expect them maybe to like be the like the top target, but you need to get someone that is like a wide receiver one type in terms of kind of winning in different ways, you know, uh, winning off the ball, um, creating separation, uh, you know, on, on routes. That's the thing. You know, I, I think Rice's strengths are, you know, getting an open space and and, and taking advantage of, of Yak and, and taking advantage of the other guys, uh, you know, kind of, you know, uh, taking the coverage with them. So I don't want that to go away. So I don't know. Do you agree with that? Do you want that? How like, I don't know. Do you would you be comfortable with Rice as the the clear wide receiver one if they really didn't invest in the receiver position that hard? This it does make me nervous if he does have to take on that full workload because his A dot per reception is still very low. They still really used him like a lot, like a lot of his usage was still on screen passes or when Andy would cook up like one of those crossing patterns or the mesh concepts. These are still like routes. He's not like exploding downfield, but he's got the great yak. So you're like yeah, if we get Kelsey and another receiver, this is still going to be perfect for Rice because if they start, you know, looking at those guys playing downfield, we're still going to have his physical running style and all right. of that, you know, to where he's able to still, you know, get those yards, create those plays, and still be like a very viable option to the offense. I, I just think, though, that with every, you know, all the struggles they had, I don't want to see them go to him like too much or put too much pressure on him. He's, he's still developing. I mean, there's a chance right. maybe in four years they bring him back on a contract that he is the number one receiver. I think that's totally fair. I still don't know if he's going to be ready for it right now. He was ready for it in the playoffs, but still, like you said, they still just ran a lot of screens through him in the meantime. So I would definitely yeah. not be opposed to getting someone. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah, it's not about, you know, I I, I think I just think in, in, in an ideal world, you know, when you're talking about maximizing this roster, like, yeah, I'm you know, I, I think if Rice was the wide receiver one, like, yeah, the offense would be fine. It would be explosive. You know, it would, you know, cause Travis Kelsey is still there, you know, and they manufacture stuff. And that's the thing. We haven't seen Rice downfield ability as much as, as we saw at SMU. We, and that's going to get unlocked at some point, but he still just doesn't have maybe that long speed um, to really stretch defenses that, that the offense just always likes to have, you know, they kind of manufactured it this year with McColl with, uh, you know, other guys, obviously MBS, but Justin Watson too, who, you know, I, I guess that's where we can we can be here. Like, you know, Justin Watson is is under contract, right? I would uh, just for one more year, it's just two million. Like, I don't think there's any reason to cut ties with him. I think you keep him as that as that bottom of the receiving core. But that's the thing is like, you it is kind of jumbled up down there because Kadarius Tony is a guaranteed almost three million, and Sky Moore is still you know under his rookie deal. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, it, you're gonna have kind of all three of those guys maybe just taking up spots and then there's Special Justin teams. Ross too like do you just kind of yeah I know but I mean Tony special teams you know, you know. I mean I can see Sky being a, a nice little gunner or something you know uh, I could see him tackling hard but I don't know I I think I think at some point you just eat Tony's guaranteed money and just and just maybe just let him loose just so you have room for another draft pick here um I don't know are you are are you okay with them if they get into training camp and they, you still see uh, Tony and Moore both on the team? 
No, I just don't think there's any way they can roster both of them, especially with like the off-field stuff with Tony. They don't need all yeah. that. Like I know they spent draft pick to come get him in here, and he was productive when he did play last season. This season was a joke. I think I spent like a five-minute rant on the film room after the Patriots game, and we didn't yeah. see him. In, we didn't see him after that again. So I just they can't go back to it, man. He's clearly not focused on the right things. He's very injury prone, apparently. So I just I don't think they can bring him back. I, I'm still not ready to fully give up hope on Sky Moore. I think he's fine as like yeah, the bottom yeah. of the roster guy. But where Justin Watson edges those guys out is he was a very key special teams player for the Chiefs the last few seasons, and that's kind of where I think you go. Hey, we you know we drafted this guy, we signed this guy, but it's not working out, man. And I don't think Veach is going to hesitate to cut ties with anyone at this point. So if you get rid of MVS and Tony, you have the holes where you kind of have like a number one receiver type to put in there. And you also maybe have, you know, a playmaker slot type that you can use because uh, McColl is an un unrestricted free agent. So, yeah, I think you can get that in the draft. Um, you know, I think the number one receiver, though, you may you, you may look in free agency. So we're going to get into that as this podcast goes on. You know, when we get closer to free agency, we'll definitely have like more in-depth breakdowns on the actual players they could be targeting. Um, cause there are a few names and, and, and not just Mike Evans, right. You know, there's a few names that I'd be interested in. Mike Evans is a popular one, but all right, we should definitely, I'll, I'll, we'll get to break here. Um, and, and on the other side, we'll get to the rest of the positions and get the, get the rest of the show on the road. Um, and, and, and keep talking off season, man. It's a, it's a fun time to, to be talking chiefs, two time defending champs looking to solidify the roster for a three piece. So we'll talk about that on the other side. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we are back on the AP Draft Room podcast. Again, we're welcoming y'all into the Chiefs 2024 offseason just a fun time to be talking Chiefs. Just kind of, you know, uh, let's 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 set the table again, right? In free agency, the draft is coming up. Such a long two months. Uh, at the same time, doesn't feel like that long uh, until the draft. Uh, but we're gonna be doing it all. But again, Caleb, let's let's get back to these positions, position by position, looking at the offseason preview a little bit. All right, we're going to left tackle. That was my number three one, and and that's an interesting one, right? Because uh, obviously, Donovan Smith is an unrestricted free agent. Um, leaving just Wanya Morris uh, under contract. And, you know, hey, I am okay with him being the starting left tackle week one uh, in 2024. 
but they definitely need to get someone capable of starting, right? I, I, and, and, and that's the thing is, is can they do that through the draft? I, I, that'd be the, that'd be the question for you, I guess. But, um, I don't know. Let's let let's just talk about that. It's just, are, do you are you feel comfortable with Wanya at day one left tackle? I will say I am comfortable with him, just because I don't think the offensive tackle draft class is as good as it's been in the last few seasons. There's like obviously your top three or four guys here or there. There's some interesting developmental guys, but I don't think there's like any player the Chiefs would be in the range to get where you're going to hang your hat on and say, you know, this is our guy. This is what he's going to do. How I see them addressing tackle this offseason, I do think they do like Wanya Morris in this in that room, right? I think that he's played, you know, he has got chemistry with the guys in that room. He yeah. plays hard when he's in. He wasn't bad when he was in. He had some rough games where he had some rookie moments, but he yeah. still does have those measurables and some of those intangibles that if he has a really good offseason, he can really improve. My thing with it, though, is Donovan Smith did struggle a lot this season. And shout out to him, by the way. He did put together an extremely impressive postseason run for being an old banged up guy, a serial retweeter of the film clips. So shout out to him for what yes. may have been. I mean, that could have been his last run. I mean, with his neck injuries and stuff, could have been. I don't see them bringing him back. Where I see the Chiefs going, I think they're going to bring in a player Kind of, you know, they're going to bring in a guy who maybe has some starting experience at tackle who would be able to push Wanya and compete with him and do that. A guy I've been targeting, a guy who I've been thinking about is uh, Josh Nyman. He's played for the Green Bay Ooh, Packers okay. the last couple of seasons. He started 29 games in his career at left tackle. They've obviously had issues. They've, uh, you know, they found some long-term solutions at their tackle spots. and But he's been a guy, when he's been in, he's not been a bad player. I think that the Packers have just drafted really well at tackle. They've liked other guys. But here's the thing. He's a free agent, right? He's only 28 years old. I Actually, I think he's getting ready to turn 20. He's only 27. It wouldn't be like a massive deal or anything. And he's a guy that he's going to come in right away and be able to compete with Wanya because he does have the starting experience in the Packers offense. He started for them when Rodgers was there. So he's got some experience protecting like a good quarterback. And he's a solid run blocker. You know, his pass pro could take some work. I think you'd still see some chips for him like they gave to Donovan Smith if he found his way in there. I think that's the key. I think the team likes Wanya a lot. I think that, you know, when he came in, he did impress me when he did come in this year. I thought he put together some solid performances. He kind of struggled down the line. He had a couple of rookie moments that were bad, like that game against the Raiders, a few instances versus Buffalo here and there. But overall, I would be comfortable with it. Just as long yeah. as you have like that core three and they can kind of create the wall to keep Mahomes like vision safe. I think you like having, you know, some tackles with like some bigger tackles who can kind of push guys around the edge. Yeah, no, I think that's a great call. I think he's kind of in that range, that kind of the the category of, of player you kind of want to get because he's only 28 years old. Um, you know, he, he's not like a, a, you know, too old. He's kind of that's the thing that age you almost get you almost coming into your prime as an offensive tackle um, at that age. Um, and so that's that's really could be a kind of a. Um, a, a, a sleeper for them. Isaiah Wynn is also afraid. He's a former first round pick. Um, again, he's 27 years old. He's someone that maybe hasn't been as impressive um, so far in his career. But again, Brett Beach special, former first round pick. Someone that I was I, I was kind of looking at um, throughout this offseason already has been George Fant. Uh, he played for the Texans. He's a he's an older veteran, right? He's kind of that Donovan Smith 
mold where um, he was a right tackle for Houston last year, but he's played some left tackle in his career. Um, he was only a four year, $4 million contract last year, one year. I think that's kind of where what you're looking at a cheap uh, offensive tackle and free agency. But yeah, I think, I think if they like someone in, in that, you know, under 30 range, I think that's great because all of a sudden you could be finding a guy that just is, is a nice starting left tackle. And then, you know, Wanye maybe just has to resort to maybe trying to find a uh, uh, playing time elsewhere. Yeah, man. I mean, the, the reason why I like Neiman's Nyman so much is younger veteran and he does fit like all the boxes the Chiefs would check for what they want in an offensive tackle. Like he's a big guy. He's got long arms. You know, yeah. he can move. He's powerful. He does block well in space. So I, I'd be looking for that. But I mean, you find that younger veteran, a guy who maybe hasn't quite hit his stride yet, and you put him with like a good culture, a quarterback that's very good at eluding pressure that can get him out of trouble sometimes. I mean, I think it's a good environment to, you know, kind of find their next guy. Just I just don't have a lot of confidence in them trying to draft a tackle this year. Yeah, no, I think that is the way to do it. And and last year they waited till after the draft to get Donovan Smith, um, which was pretty crazy. I doubt they do that again. Um, although again, I mean, they did it last year. So yeah, no, I I think that's the the answer though. I think for agency, uh, getting just a capable starter in in some respect, just to compete with Wanya. This isn't about that's and and this is a key point about going for the three peat. Is 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 maybe if they they weren't going for a three peat, I would be more on the side of hey, just let Wanya develop um you know maybe maybe don't give him as much competition but you should give him a legit starting competition player just because you want to have the best roster possible next year because of this three p it kind of goes into what we were talking about so all right defensive end you know that's the fourth position we talked about defense tackle earlier defensive end is sneaky you know even though they spent first round pick last two years caleb uh this and, and fau that Charles Amenihu injury really throws a wrench into this because I really feel like it's going to be hard for him to be what he was this season um, right away until maybe even late next season um, or at all next season. Unfortunately, that's how injuries can work sometimes, especially with these guys that really have to generate, you know, force with their, you know, with their legs and, and, and it just sucks. So uh, I think Karloftis is obviously uh, ascending. I'm excited to see FAU uh, get a bigger role, but, you know, that's the thing. Losing Mike Dana is going to be a, you know, if they don't re- re-sign him, which I, I feel like someone will just give him a little more money than the Chiefs are willing to. You know, I, I, I think it will be tough, uh, you know, for FAU to, to come in right away and be the week one starter, you know, opposite Carl Loftus. Um, I think I'd rather, you know, maybe they, even if he does start again, kind of like with Wanye, I think it's a similar conversation with Wanye, right? Get another starting capable body at defensive end. Now this time though, Caleb, could you go draft? Would you would you be feeling draft on this one instead of free agency to, to find that guy? Like a day two pick? Yeah, man. And also, Mike Dana could be gone also. He's playing a lot of snaps, key right. snaps. Dana could also be gone. So, like, just yeah. the defensive line in general is, like been fa- is going to be fairly depleted if they don't make some kind of moves. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think the draft would be a viable option. You know, you're never going to have a shortage of – options at defensive end you know at this point with the way football is i'm just i'm just hoping they can make the pick right i know fau is going to take a lot of criticism next year probably early on if he's not on the field because people are going to be like well he was drafted in the first round even though we all knew he's a developmental pick like people are going to be you know criticizing that pick so 
you just hope that they can find someone to where they can still kind of ease FAU in and kind of let him like develop his pass rush arsenal still because he still does have a long way to go. Yeah, just fill into his body a little bit. Yeah, no, that's the thing. It's it's not about it's a, it's a very similar thing as Wanye. Uh, and and Wanye just got picked in the third round. You know, if he was a first round pick, uh, they'd be have we'd be talking about the same thing with Wanye. So, yeah, I, I think. Just get a, a starting capable body. It could be free agency. I don't mind free agency uh, to do this. If it's a cheap veteran guy, you know, in the Alex Okafor mold of years past. Um, but I do think, you know, just the defensive line in general just cont- needs to continue to be in flux with young talent. And hey, if that means third year in a row drafting a, a top 50, top 60 pick defensive end, so be it. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's fine. I, I'm, I'm so with it. You know, that's, that's, I, you know, defensive tackle, defensive end, I think needs to be, you know, hit quite a bit in the draft this, this, this upcoming April. All right. Running back, Caleb, Isaiah Pacheco and LaMichael Pirine are under contract next year. Yes. LaMichael Pirine is, is technically on the active roster. They're losing Clyde and Jarek McKinnon, who, you know, I just feel like I know they've called him the dinosaur before, but he's got to be done, right? He's got to be extinct at this point. I really feel like that's the number five need for me is important because who is going to be the next Jarek McKinnon? I think that becomes a super important player in this Chiefs offense. What do you think? Yeah, man, I I feel like McKinnon's probably hit the end of his run, but just in general, they're needing to replenish that position because Pacheco can't continue to take the beating he's taken the first two years of his career, and he has taken a beating. He's played the maximum number of football games a running back can play, possibly play the first two years of his career, and and both of those seasons ended up with him getting big workloads and just taking like a lot of big hits in general and stuff. So I think just for his sake of longevity, they have to find another option that's just as good, if not better. I think Pacheco is the perfect kind of running back you have for like a cold January game when you just want to line up and just pound it at somebody. Hey, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's necessarily the guy that you want out there all the time when you are like trying to, you know, when you're trying to preserve some snaps or you're trying to, you know, throw the ball around a lot. That's where McKinnon was so big as he's so savvy kept pass catching. He was yeah. versatile. He did a lot of things. Pass I still, yeah. Pass blocking too. I mean, he was so good at that. They've got some options like in free agency and in the draft and whatnot. I've seen the big one people are going to be talking about is they're like, let's go sign Austin Eckler I maybe be careful of that. He's 29. He's had a tremendous workload for a running back. But, I mean, there are definitely some options out there. The thing you'd have to remember, though, is it's not going to be a guy that's going to be getting a full workload, so maybe that could be more enticing to them to go after a guy knowing that Pacheco is going to get his. I'd say maybe try to pick up another running back late in the draft also, though, if you can, just because, I mean, you want to try to start replenishing the room. I mean, LaMichael Pirine is – you know, he had like one carry this year and he fell down. Yeah. So I wouldn't. Yeah, honestly, I would, I, I, I'd probably plan on him not even being on the team by week one, right? Like, Daener- is it Daenerys Prince time? Yeah, that's true. I didn't think, I didn't consider him. Uh, he hasn't signed, I guess, his reserve deal yet. But hey, I, I, I want to get your take on this because I was on the radio with Jay Binkley and, you know, he's a Mizzou guy. And, uh, you know, he, he, he likes to, to use the Austin Eckler, throw the Austin Eckler name around for Cody Schrader. What if the Chiefs grabbed him a little later in the in the in the draft? Does he kind of does he kind of compliment Pacheco? I feel like he would. I think I think he definitely would be a compliment to him just with his ability to catch the ball. 
out of the backfield. So, I mean, I definitely have my eyes on that. That was really the under, you know, everyone talks about the rushing yards, but where he put the hurt on people the most at Mizzou was out of the backfield this past season because he does have good hands. He's very competitive pass catcher or, you know, he's very competitive when he does have the ball in his hands. So we'll see. They were saying he, he, he gets after it as a pass protector too. I, I, I haven't watched him or anything. Yeah, but, uh, man, that was big underrated aspect. I mean, that's why he could stay on the field so many downs, not only just like general great conditioning, but also good pass blocker. It's that Truman state, you know, it's that, it's that, it's that bulldog, right? Is it bulldogs? Oh yeah. Truman state? Hey, yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely the uh, the Kirksville effect. That's obviously why he left to go to a bigger school, though, because he was too good to be up there to begin with. As most people that <laughs> were up there with us will tell you, that was absolutely 100% true. But, you know, we'd like to see, you know, Truman's got one alumni writing about the Chiefs. You know, we'd like to see one alumni running the ball for the Chiefs. That'd be kind of interesting. We got two alumni. Shout out, Jared. Yes, sir. I know, right? AP's repping. Uh, no, that, that is cool story. Would love to see, just follow him in general though. Uh, you know, obviously just, just see where he goes. Um, obviously great story. Any, all the Mizzou prospects this year, we're going to have to have like a Mizzou segment um, at some point in this podcast, just kind of breaking down all the guys. Uh, Cause there's so many good prospects in this class that, that went to Mizzou. Pretty wild to be honest. Yeah. Like I know. Mizzou does have some dudes in the draft this year who are going to be playing some ball for a while on Sundays between like Robinson and, you know, Schrader and a lot of those guys. And then next Rake, year, Rake Straw, yeah. next year, Luther, it's going to be nuts. I know. It, yeah. It doesn't even include maybe their most electric prospect uh, within the next few years. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about the, the positions that we did not have on the top five here. Uh, linebacker was the position you threw out uh, that when I was asking which one I might've left out. So yeah, we, we kind of hinted at it, but is it just, are we just completely like, all right, Willie Gay is not going to be back just because he's probably going to get priced out. <clears throat> but are you more confident Drew Tranquil's back? How are you wanting to attack the linebacker position? Because one of them has to be back, in my opinion. It just feels like Tranquil makes more sense. Uh, he's more valuable to the team. I think, man, you have to get at least one of them back. I don't think you want to be in a situation where you're going to lose both of them. And Tranquil has proven he can play the mic. He can play the will. He's really, you know, he's he picked up on the Spags defense in one year, and this was the most complicated version of Spags defense I think that we've ever seen. So, I mean, I, I obviously want him back. I think everyone in the kingdom wants him back. I just worry that he could get priced, you know, he could get priced out also. Yeah. I think with Willie, man, I think they'd like to have him back. I just – I see some team just seeing the athleticism – and being like, well, we can do whatever we want with him, especially with like a lot of these modern defenses. And the fact that Willie did just have a very good year, you know, back-to-back good seasons for him is going to help his case also. Well, and the other thing too about Willie is that I really feel like I'm excited for his role to be occupied by Leo Chanel. I, th- I think Leo Chanel playing that kind of weak side off, you know, off-ball linebacker next to the mic, just really getting after it, flying after the ball. I think he'll get better in coverage as he goes. He feels like a smart player. Um, obviously, he's his Super Bowl Chanel. Um, he's you know he's he's been he's been amazing in the big game. So it does feel like it's just like all right, let Leo kind of take that role, and then Drew, just like he was this year, let him be the backup Mike, be that kind of dime linebacker type, um, and 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 kind of have to fill in when he needs to. But he's just such a good player. Obviously, he'll you know he'll rotate in at times as well, and it feels like he wants to be here. So I I, I gotta imagine it gets done. 
And so if Tranquil does get re-signed, Caleb, that's Bolton, Tranquil, Chanel, and Cam Jones, who was on the 53-man roster all year. I feel like they'll probably just maybe get Jack Cochran back on that restricted free agency and, and probably just live with it, right? They, they may not even add anything else to that room significantly. Yeah, I would still say if you get to a point and there's like a guy you really like around or even if they can get Tranquil back and you find like a couple – you get a guy in the draft you like. I mean, they are going to have to think about that Bolton could also be gone in a year's time. I don't know if that, that may be too far long-term for what they're trying to do right now. I just think if there's a, the right guys there in the draft, you should always try to take them if you think there's going to be like a home run that can help your team immediately in the future. 100%. Linebacker this year sounds like it's going to be a bad class. I haven't looked into it, but that's what everyone's saying. Um, I know you had a few guys that stood out to you. Cedric Gray? I've had a couple. I've had uh, Edger and Cooper, uh, Peyton Wilson, Cedric Gray, NC State with Wilson. Wilson is an athletic specimen. That'd be kind of like, well, we can draft this guy that is really super athletic, but we're going to have to figure out where he fits in an NFL defense. Cooper's kind of like your solid, like, yeah, I can play a lot of different my, I can play a lot of I can play all of the linebacker positions. I'm solid. And Cedric Gray, I think he's gonna turn some heads at the combine, but really his fluidity and pass coverage impressed me more than anything. Well, that's the kind of linebacker you want. No, I, I think uh the uh uh oh man, the linebacker you were just talking about, um uh from North Carolina State, Wilson. Wilson yeah. Yeah, I just feel like that kind of he does kind of fit the, you know, Spags wanting him to be that dime linebacker maybe where he can, you know, throw him all over the place. I know he was kind of, you know, a, a playmaker but also a smart playmaker, you know. His athleticism is going to be off the charts kind of like Leo's was, but he's kind of like the opposite Leo. Like Leo, you let him bang around on the line of scrimmage and do that stuff. Wilson, it's like you kind of want to unlock what he can do in coverage if you get him, but we'll have a chance to talk about him later. Yes, I can't wait to get into the the details of all those guys. We're just scratching the surface and and to round out these these individual positions, the defensive backfield in general. I just feel like it's it's so young, so talented right now. Um, they got players, uh, you know, under contract. You know, there aren't you know a ton of 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 a big big things outside of the luxurious need decision, right? So in a world where we've kind of been talking like maybe Chris Jones is back, just because again three peat, right? We want to stay aggressive. You know, Legarius need you tag him. It's $18 million. Do you get it? You, you probably get a long-term deal done at some point. Maybe that, that cap room, you know, uh, for 2024, um, you know, goes down or goes up. Although, you know, that contract uh, extension may not happen until a little later this off season, but there's, are they, do you, do you feel like there's any chance or do would you feel comfortable at all? If, if they did just let sneak sneak go or tag and trade, I, I do think there's, there's an interesting point there where, they could really tempt a, a, a contender that needs a cornerback like the Lions, um, like the Eagles, uh, with with Legarius Need maybe for for a draft pick. W- would that be crazy? I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibility because the Chiefs do only mm-hmm. have like what six picks this year. Yeah, right. I mean, it's not as many as they've had the last couple of drafts. You know, they had obviously the Tyreek picks and then the comp- compensatory picks last season, but I mean. It's just with that, though, it's like, do you really want to give up Snead? And I know Veach can draft. I know at the beginning of the season, everyone's like, well, Veach drafts cornerbacks so well. It's like, well, Snead will, you know, we'll find another Snead somewhere. But, I mean, this year, especially in the playoffs and what he did, 
it's like he really did separate himself from a lot of other corners where we could just be like, oh, we lost Charvarius Ward, no big deal. Because it's like now he needs such an integral role of what they do on the defense. So it'll be interesting to see. I think if they do retain Sneed, I don't see a ton of need anywhere else for them to like take a secondary player unless you have a chance to take like a top safety or like one of the top corners just to kind of round out your room a little bit there. But I mean, I, I want to see Sneed back fourth round draft pick here a few years ago for them, and he's butted his way into becoming one of the best in the game. Yeah, and, and that's the thing about what he's done that la- this last year is that he really does make everyone else in the secondary better because he's just taking away the number one receiver. And so, yeah, Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams are going to have good stats uh, against the the you know the maybe sometimes the third receiver because he's that second perimeter receiver, um, you know, on the outside, you know, and and McDuffie, you know, is going to be free to make plays, be the playmaker from the slot which is obviously where he's best at and, and where he's going to, you know, continue to be an all pro type of player. So there is a lot of value to keeping him. I agree with you. I think they need to, to get that done. And, and honestly, you know, I, I, I think we've been saying it for, for the last half of the season, uh, you know, and, and maybe the Super Bowl might've changed some people's minds, but if we are sitting here, Caleb, and we're saying Snead or Jones, like it probably, I probably would live with, you know, getting Snead, securing him, and then just trying to rebuild that defensive line, that, that, that pass rush through maybe another free agent um, that uh, and, and then the draft. I don't know. If it's Snead or Jones, which way are you leaning? Well, at the beginning of the season, I'd have told you Jones. And right. I, I, w- I could still lean that way because there are still things that he does that change the structure of the way offenses want to play. I mean, on that uh, big Trent McDuffie blitz, a lot of the reason I think that he was so – just unnoticed by them is they do have to slide to Jones. You know, they're still going to key in their protection on him, but you're talking just for continuity of the defense. I think that having the secondary would probably help out more just because if you do end up here in a situation where you have a bunch of young defensive tackles, you'd still like to be able to have your secondary to be able to cover guys up to where that defensive line can still get like the, the coverage sack, so to speak there while they're trying to figure it out. So I'll say keep the tandem with Snead and McDuffie and check if you can. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to round out the the positional breakdowns, right? Because, you know, I, I think, you know, we're talking about being aggressive this offseason, but you can only do so much. It's not Madden. It's not, you know, there, there is a cap room. There is, you know, real people in this equation. There is the, the chance that Chris Jones is agents and Chris Jones himself are just like, look, I need to make this big deal. I need to make as much money as possible. And someone on the agency market is going to offer more than the chiefs are willing to i i imagine um just to get him in the building so i i, I do think there's a chance that you know this team they trust bags to manufacture pass rush. we've seen it all the time um and and honestly you can make the argument that their four-man their four-man rush even with jones uh w- was not getting enough pressure at times it really was the, the the manufacturing of it and that's not going away they'll still have the players to do that kind of stuff um, cause you know, it's, it's about being smart. It's not necessarily about being a great pass rusher, you know, guys like, you know, uh, uh, and they'll have Omenihu again, uh, next season, you know, towards the end. So, yeah, I think, I think, I think we kind of came to that conclusion maybe that, you know, Hey, if, if Jones is, is not here, they, you mentioned the day one class being strong, maybe you double dip there. Maybe even if it is day one, even if you don't go day one, maybe you get, you know, someone in round two and then maybe in round four or maybe double dose day two on the defensive tackle group. 
I think that is a, a, a decent strategy to go with here and, and then pick, you know, maybe uh, have receiver somewhere in that mix too. But yeah, I think that, that the, the table's set, Caleb. I think the table, the table is set. Um, we'll see if we, we are correct or anything, but yeah, any final thoughts on kind of just how the roster, uh, you know, in, in terms of the internal, right. We're looking at the chiefs, what they are right now without looking at, you know, kind of what they could be. Um, any thoughts on, on how the chiefs are kind of set up maybe to, to, uh, you know, add this off season. I mean, like you said at the beginning of the show, it's going to be one of the more interesting off seasons. You rarely see a team that wins the Super Bowl but had such glaring issues like the Chiefs did at receiver. It is pretty common for when a team wins the Super Bowl, they do have to bring a lot of guys back. They should still be smart about it, but they should be aggressive in how they go about it. Like There's a balance between being smart with how they spend and being aggressive with how they spend because, you know, this time of year, it's easy to poke holes in a team and see where they're weak at, where they're strong at. I think it's just going to be about Veach and his guys and coming together with the coaching staff and figuring out how they want to play next year. Do you want it to be another defensive master class the next couple seasons like it was this year? All right, go spend the money. Go spend even more money. Bring in even more defenders. Burn the draft picks on defenders. Let's become a big defensive football team. Or – do you want to start preparing for life after Travis Kelsey? You want to go get maybe one to two wide receivers and really start to load up. If they do that, I mean, it could look a lot like the Chiefs offense in 2018 did here very soon. The defense could possibly take a massive step back if they take choose to take that approach. But also, Mahomes is starting to enter the prime of his career. We saw him play his smartest football we kind of miss seeing the deep ball, but that deep ball, the McCall Hardman of the Super Bowl, that kind of, you know, started getting the wheels turning again for how fun those kinds of plays can be. So we'll yeah. see if maybe something like that has an impact on how we see things turn out. Well, to round it up, uh, you're going to see this team, you know, with, with all the unrestricted free agents that, uh, accounted for, you're going to see this team need to add a starting defensive tackle at the three tech and the nose, you know, a starting outside perimeter receiver, uh, you know, a playmaker in the slot, a starting capable left tackle, a starting capable defensive end, a capable running back, you know, a, a dime slash third, just a third linebacker to, to back it up, you know, more depth on defense tackle. There's a lot of positions this team needs to fulfill. And so it's going to be exciting to see how they do it. Before we get out of here, Caleb, we got to do it. We got to talk just a little draft, tease the people before we get out of here. And we'll be talking plenty of draft as the offseason goes on again. But prospect of the week, here we go. Every episode this offseason, fellas, we will be naming one prospect that we predict to be on the Chiefs draft board. And we're just trying to name as many future drafts, uh, Chiefs draft picks as possible, right? We're just trying to predict, uh, you know, guys that, that the Chiefs pick. So, you know, we're not going to pick uh, Brock Bowers, uh, probably. We're not going to pick, uh, you know, Joe Alt uh, to be the Chiefs left tackle of the future unfortunately that'd be kind of cool and i say all that uh and i'm and and i'm gonna go here first that uh that, you know the guy i'm picking you know he, he he he's not within the chiefs 32 pick maybe right uh brian thomas jr the lsu wide receiver but man i am intrigued by him and i am so in on brett veach being aggressive one thing we we didn't hit on earlier you mentioned the chiefs having only six draft picks i don't care if they have very little draft selections this year if it means they went up and got some someone they like, even if it's in multiple spots, right? Even if it's on day one and day two, you know, they've had so many good drafts the last few years. You can't just continue to stockpile it with draft picks, right? You have to, at some point, you know, filter it out, you know, thin it out a little bit, or just 
take the chances on guys you like and use multiple picks to get them. And Brian Thomas Jr. to me feels like he really fits what the Chiefs need if they do get rid of MVS. Someone on the perimeter that is going to get downfield, is going to push safety, is going to make plays in the deep passing game, but is also just a bigger body, you know, is going to be able to, uh, you know, make plays over the middle, um, you know, make plays to the sideline. And, and man, I'm telling you, that deep speed is ridiculous. Um, he has some wheels, um, and, and he's about 6'4", potentially. We'll see at the combine exactly what he comes in at. But he's, he's also a guy that hasn't played football for a long time. He was a basketball player in high school. Um, he's a true junior coming out, so he's, he's as young as you can be as a prospect. There is a lot to like about him, and there's a chance. I really think, Caleb, there's a slim chance he gets overshadowed just because Malik Neighbors is such a good wide receiver. Jaden Daniels is going to be one of the top picks. And in that offense, he really was uh, you know, pigeonholed and, and, and maybe not given the opportunity to do more and show more than just be maybe that deep threat on the outside, uh, really you know, running posts and goes and, and killing it there. I mean, he had 15 touchdowns last year. Um, yeah, I think Brian Thomas Jr. is is someone that I'm going is, is my first huge draft crush of this draft season. Well, for me, if we're going to talk about drafting up, I'm never really like one for like let's trade up and give a bunch. If there was like some fathomable way they could trade up for Johnny Newton, the defensive tackle from Illinois, I would just be the most overjoyed person. And, you know, it's not outside of the realm if the quarterbacks and receivers start rolling early and Bowers rolls early. I don't think it's outside of the possibility he falls outside of the top 15, especially since he is that def- he does carry the defensive tackle tag, you know, like they're going to label right. him as a defensive tackle. So just by some teams, they'll automatically knock him down their boards. But I think he's the most developed interior pass rusher I've seen coming out of the draft, maybe – and since I've started evaluating the draft here, and that includes Jalen Carter from last year on that impressive Georgia defense, what he did game in and game out with Illinois and the kind of, the kind of like attention he drew from these other offenses was just mind blowing to me. And the fact that he can play anywhere, you know, he is a big guy. He's like six, three, probably like three twenty. The fact that he can play anywhere from a nose he can play a four eye, a three tech. They even put him on the edge sometimes, and he's still finding success. Like his hand fighting is so ridiculously advanced. His speed and burst off the ball is unmatched. Actually, I think there's a couple of guys with great speed and burst off the ball, but his ability to like win on like the second effort on the pass rush is just something rare you don't see out of college guys a lot. Like, I don't know, man. And people will be like, well, we don't need to trade up for a defensive tackle if we get Chris Jones. And in my mind, I'm just like, this guy has a chance to be really special. I'm like, why wouldn't you want to set yourself up for life after Chris Jones? Even if Chris Jones signs for four more years, why wouldn't you want to like have the next guy in the wing already ready to go? Because I'll tell you right now, if you get him out there with Jones and Karloftis and eventually a Minahue, that is going to be a problem. There's going to be too many guys one-on-one in there with someone. I'm just, I've been extremely impressed with him. I've been extremely impressed with a lot of guys in this defensive in this defensive tackle class. And I'm not just saying that because they do have to reload at that position. I think, honestly, I think that they've gotten lucky here the last few years in the draft. They seem to have these big, important positions of need, and they seem to be falling in where there are like elite talents across the board in these draft class they've had the last few years. No, I mean, that, the thing with Johnny Newton, Caleb, is, is there's a chance uh, that he slides because Jeremiah didn't have him in his first round mock. And just for what you were talking about, 
and he had Byron Murphy in his first round mock. There's there's a strong defensive tackle class, and it could hurt a guy like him who just you know I think there's always those prospects that like were so good early in their college career that like they it's almost like people just get tired of them and they just want to hear the new name um, you know and and I get you know young prospects are important but you know a guy like Newton you know has just been balling his entire career at Illinois um, and so. I don't know. There, there's a chance he could he could be there. They may not even need to trade up. Um, that defensive tackle position may just get pushed down all the way to 32. Uh, I mean, be, I think I think there's legit star power in this class for defensive linemen, specifically the DTs, and I think it has to start with Newton. I just I don't see how anyone could knock him out of the first round of their draft board. Well, I'd love to see it because I do think, yeah, if they bolster the defensive tackle with that, you're talking about, you know, uh, even, you know, with or without Chris Jones, that's going to be a, a big addition, um, something that the Chiefs need. You know, they need to invest youth talent in the defensive tackle room. We all know that. We're excited to see how they do that. We're going to continue to break down how they do all the things they're going to do this offseason. They're going, like I said, there's there's so many different positions they need to attack and, and so many different things that we may not even see coming. That's the best part about uh, about the NFL offseason. It can be unpredictable. We'll be here to break it all down. Appreciate y'all joining us. Thanks for listening. Make sure you do rate or review. Again, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up uh, whatever social media platform. Um, just to you know, if you have questions, if you want to, you know, if there's any prospects you want to, you know, hey, you know, you again, Chiefs Kingdom, y'all know prospects, maybe you know, uh, a ton of them. And so you know, hey, hey, let us know which guys you like. Um, we'll definitely see if we we like them on the show. We'll we'll, we'll review them ourselves. But uh, but yeah, Caleb, it's going to be a, a a fun off season, man. We're going to bring guy people on. Um, but appreciate you doing this tonight with me. Any final words for the people before we get out of here? No, man. It's going to be an exciting time though this off season. Um, yeah, drafts in Detroit. We got like what eight weeks, ten weeks, something Deep like that till then. We got oh, quite a ways to the draft, but man, you can't start talking about the draft without free agency, and that is right around the corner. Yes, sir. And there is going to be some action between now and then. We'll be there. But next week, again, we're talking combine. Make sure you tune in. We'll have a lot of in-depth breakdown on, on prospects. We're just kind of, you know, breaking the, the surface on all the, the intriguing prospects that are going to be in Indianapolis at the combine. And so make sure you tune in next Friday. Appreciate you listening. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.